every story is more interesting when it's just truthfully told. And that's life, right? That's the sort of human element of the whole thing, which is, you know, you, you're not living life unless you experience uh, a setback or make a mistake. That's how you grow. That's how you learn and how you ultimately get tested to push harder. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Partners in Time. Today, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine in IWC, James Marston, accomplished actor, watch aficionado, all-round petrol head, and everything else. And honestly, and this is something, James, I have to say, you're probably one of the most gentlemanly gentlemen I have ever met in my entire life. See, this is why I like talking with you, <laughs> because all I get is praise, exactly. and uh, and it's completely inaccurate across the board. No, it is not. Uh, very, very kind of you to say. That's very nice of you. No, because you know why I know that because um, I have being in this job, I had the very insightful privilege of meeting many of our brand ambassadors before I got into this job, <laughs> because I did Geneva and I did a lot of the fairs. That's right. Say, just back in the day. And I can't, I can't put my finger exactly on what year it would have been when I first met you, but you were wearing a navy blue jumper, like sweater in American, with a red uh, horizontal stripe across the middle. And I would guess it would have been 2014, 15, something like that. Yeah, I think that was it. I think uh, you were kind enough to take me on a tour of the uh, facilities there before you'd moved to the new manufacturer. Um, Because I remember that sweater, and I remember seeing the photographs of you and I walking through the halls together. Um, yeah, but, but it, very, it very good been, memory. Even before that, it would have been in Geneva at one of the SIH booths. Maybe I've got the uh, sweater desynced. But uh, anyway, well, no, um, I think we, I, I have a tendency to reuse my sweater. sweaters. This feels. This is the sustainability attitude we're looking for. You know, <laughs> I don't wash them either, <laughs> just so everyone can remember my smell. <laughs> no, that's, oh, that's funny. Yes, it was. I'm sure, yeah, I remember. I think it was 2015, somewhere it around then. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I have a distinct memory. It was Portuguese, which would have been 2015. So that makes sense. Right. And, and yeah. you know, it's just, it's always the way you are with everybody you meet, you know, independent of job title and sponsorship and everything else. <laughs> it just, you know, that, that left a, a lasting impression on me. And you were just all around such a fantastic person with absolutely oh. everybody. So respectful, so humble. Oh, that's and, so nice of you to say. I, you know, uh, I, I know I joke quite a bit, but um, when, I, when I hear things like that and for people that I, from people that I respect like yourself, it's just, a, you know, it's, it reminds me I'm doing something right. And yep, uh, exactly. so I appreciate that. The story continued very much like that. And, and of course, you know, you are... An absolutely fantastically accomplished actor. You know, one of a very, very, very few, very, 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 very good actors, which has been recognised many times. But I think what's really interesting with you, you've done a huge journey in terms of genres and media channels and and, and all the rest of it. Because you've been both in independent films, you've been in comedies, you've been in big studio productions from X Men, you've been on HBO with Westworld, you've moved on to things in Netflix, you've done Disney. I think you're. Uh, there's even a, a Disney Plus release, right, of the um, Enchanted uh, mm-hmm. sequel coming, etc. So, all the way to to Sonic, and it's a huge range. So, how 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 did that go? How did you find your way into acting? And then, what, what's the journey been for you? And what's sort of the key sort of um, you know conclusions for you, having worked across so many different types of of entertainment? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for saying all that. I'm very proud of. Uh, this sort of longevity that I've found in this, mm. in this industry. I, I didn't expect it to be honest, completely honest with you. When I started about almost 30 years ago, you know, I come from 
pretty humble beginnings back in Oklahoma City and didn't come from much. And, and I didn't feel like I was ever really, um, I was going to say good at anything else other than the, the performing arts, like music and, and acting. But I think I was, I think I, there was nothing else I was passionate about <clears throat> at the time. Um, I was surrounded by people who were, you know, going the sort of normal route that everyone goes down, which is finish high school, go to college, get a degree and work in an office. And that just didn't sound appealing to me. I think I was a little naive to think that I could move to Los Angeles and, and have this kind of career, but here I am and it's, and it's extraordinary. And I, I, every day I wake up and I'm grateful that I'm, you know, still invited to the table. I mean, I'm, uh, um, and like you said, over a broad range of, of genres, you know, I, I, that wasn't planned. <laughs> it's very, I sort of stumbled into it as the sort of, you know, Swiss army knife of actors, <laughs> you know, uh, which is a title that I'm actually, you know, um, getting comfortable with, yeah. uh, because it means you can, you can stay around, you have staying power and, and, um, and I'm just very grateful for that. So it, it really started with, um, you know, I was 18, 19 years old and I was faced with the reality of, you know, you got to get serious and, and figure out what you want to do with your life. And I had heard from enough people, uh, after a, a few stage plays and musicals that I did in high school and, and one year of college that, um, that I was quote unquote talented. <laughs> and I, and I was just, again, sort of young and, uh, um, confident enough to believe it. And so yeah. I, pa I packed which is, up and which is an yeah. important quality, by the way. Yeah. And I, don't you like when you get older, right? I'm, I'm 47 years old now. And now any choice I make terrifies me, right? Yeah. Don't you want to get back that sort of confidence, that sort of blind Definitely. confidence you had when you were young, yeah, where you, that you, you aren't, that you yeah, know it all. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. As long, but keep your ego in check, yeah. right? But, <laughs> but have the confidence to actually be, and, and the courage to take chances and, and, the first thing people ask me is, was it scary for you to uproot yourself from Oklahoma and pack up your, you know, 1984 Honda Accord and, and, drive, and drive to Los wow, Angeles now, without yeah, that, really... Now, now you dropped a bombshell. A Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. Like, yeah, it was... Uh, more into like a Civic Type R or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I CRX. couldn't... Uh, CRX would have been the one. There we go. There. Right. Yeah, the Honda CRX. Remember that unique design that with that sort cool. of... Looked like Oxy a like a kid's shoe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a toddler's shoe. Sketches, definitely, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, and they're they're all back now, right? The eighties and nineties cars. Oh, well, that's a whole. Don't get me started on automotive. No, no, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I uh, well, the car before that actually, I was nineteen, so when I was sixteen, was a nineteen eighty six uh, Pontiac Firebird. So there was a little sport oh. in there, yeah, with a, with a V eight, three fifty V eight. Um, but the the Honda was that that broke down <laughs> the, 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 the the Firebird, so yeah. I had to get. Some something more sensible, which exactly. is JDM, Here we go. Exactly. If I'm going to make it Japanese to California, <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to make it there, I need to have a Honda and not a Pontiac. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it was a sensible move just to get me there. But, um, but I was, I, it was, it was like, I have nothing to lose. You know, it was, I was excited by the, the idea of, of transplanting myself to, to Los Angeles. And it was like, what do I have to lose? I, you know, and my father said, you know, I'll, I'll help support you, you know, for living expenses and, and things like that so that you can focus on this. And I'll, I'll, I'll do that for one year. And if, if it doesn't pan out, then think about coming back and going to school and, you know, getting a real job. And he didn't say that. He was very supportive and both my parents were. And I got very lucky. Uh, I was set up with a, a manager who was legitimate and <laughs> sending me out on auditions four times a day. And, and again, it was that just sort of like, 
you know, cock of the walk attitude of uh, I'm, you know, I'm the next big thing. And, uh, and I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to will this to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so I started, uh, booking small jobs here and there. It was a guest spot on, you know, the nanny or saved by the bell or party of five, these sort of, you know, teen, uh, sitcoms or TV shows. Um, and then I got offered to, uh, to be on a soap opera, which was like, you have to sign a three-year contract and which to me is like, Hey, Gosh, I got guaranteed yeah, work for three years. Yeah, and my manager like, said, no, 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 you don't want to do that right now. Cause you don't want to lock yourself in. We're getting a lot of good feedback from you. And my father was like, wait, what? In two months in, he's turning down jobs already. <laughs> <laughs> Have you even got a job, son? <laughs> as, right. As an actor. But then he, he relayed to my father and myself that, you know, let's curate this and, and start to be picky about the kind of work you do. And I realized that that's one of the paths to uh, the sort of longevity that I've found, which is, mm you know, really be, um, you know, uh, careful in the type of work that you go after. And, and it's, it's always that balance, right? It's like, you have to pay your mortgage. You have to, you know, it's your livelihood. You have to, you know, put food on the table, but you also want to be careful about the kind of work that you do. And you want to surround yourself with, uh, you know, talented uh, individuals and interesting stories and interesting characters. And, and I think by doing that, I think that's why I'm sort of still around. Um, and I've learned along the way, you know, that you learn so much along the way. And you you uh, you sort of hone your skills and, and you get better, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's hopefully. also the difference between sort of just raw impulsive talent and actually a level of professionalism, right? You know, when you say Swiss Army life, yeah, it, it means that you can adapt to different situations and actually deliver right. rather than being just extremely good at one thing. But then, <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't uh, I don't always think about it that way, but it's true. It's like that's a whole other talent unto itself is sort of figuring out um, one how the industry works and two, uh, you know. Um, how do you adapt to what they want to see or um, what's, you know, what's, what's, what's out there. But for, for the longest time, it was whatever script, you know, whatever audition that I booked, uh, you know, that was my, when people asked me like, why did you choose to do that? And I said, well, because I got the job. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, I auditioned for it and they gave me the job. <laughs> good yeah, but me. you were so wrong for it. I know, but hey, they paid me. <laughs> so, you know, but this is early uh, days. Yeah. My LA dream got shattered a lot sooner than that. So I didn't pack up a, a Honda in Oklahoma. I packed up a suitcase <laughs> on Virgin Atlantic coming out of Horsham, West Sussex at the time to uh -huh. do my gap year in Santa Monica. Um, at a, uh, a hotel design company doing um, something very interesting I hadn't come across before. And that is sort of mass designing Caribbean resort hotels. Oh, really, wow. Really, yeah, yeah, wow. But it's a conveyor belt of hotel design. It was quite, it was uh, quite an eye opener for me. So right. here I came with my European architectural visions and, you know, then, you know, great big LA and thinking, hey, this is a similar thing, you know, I'm, I'm bringing all the creative quality that America has ever looked for. <laughs> right. Uh, and then obviously um, producing quite a hard landing in Santa Monica, not being able to find a place. I think my mum and dad mm. had booked me into what appeared to be a respectable student hostel and turned out to be <laughs> quite the dive. You know, sort of bunk beds and eight to a room and people sort of sitting in the hallways sort of eating uh -huh. you know, stuff out of bowls and stuff. It was wild. And I literally wow. came sort of with my two suitcases of, of all my best suits thinking, hello, I'd like to check in, please. And, like, what the, you know. and they looked at you like, you don't <laughs> yeah. belong here, sir. Yeah. So I traded the Honda. Actually, I had a rental contract with a place called Rent a Dent, which was <laughs> uh, I Remember that? How did I? I've seen that place before. I think yeah. I probably uh, used their I, services once yeah, or twice. I think it was a Hyundai. This thing didn't work. It made those horrendous noises, and the whole thing was just an absolute disaster from start to finish. And, and Isn't I, that I, 
And they told me I was going to work in the library, which I thought was going to be, you know, this grand library where I happen mm-hmm. to have a desk. Of course, what they meant is you're going to be sorting the sample library of fabrics for this Caribbean resort. Oh, the old bait and switch, right? Exactly. It, isn't it funny <laughs> yes. how you have these just amazing, your imagination yeah. runs wild with what yeah. it's going to look like. Exactly. I think and you arrive. It's kind of, it, yeah, it's kind of like looking at those, you know, those Caribbean hotels online, right? You, you see, ah. Amazing. Yeah, all yeah. expense paid. Look at these. They have the most beautiful photographs. You show up and like, ah, yeah. this is not yeah. exactly yeah. what I had yeah. in mind. And then basically my first working day, uh, a sort of chap came in with a big sample suitcase. And I remember to the present day, he threw this this thing of fabric over the desk and went, this is a new role. We can now print on Trevira. And at this point, I knew I was done there. <laughs> <So> <laughs> How long were you there for? How long did this? 10 days. Uh, 10, 10 days. days. Yeah, yeah, I have to have the end. And then basically my, my, my uh, dear wife, Paula, she, she she was cabin crew at the time, we were sort of relatively newly uh, in love back then. And she flew in Virgin Atlantic and um, she saw me and we caught up when she had a, a flight out to LA and she said, you look absolute shit. I have to get you back home. This is terrible. And that flight was completely overbooked. And I remember this was on some airport boulevard, Hilton something. And I actually knocked on the captain's door at uh, 10 p.m. And he looked at me as well. And he obviously felt a great deal of pity. And he says, son, whatever happens, I'm going to take you home tomorrow. And they take me, pre-September pre, pre, uh, the 11th, they took me back in the jump seat in the cockpit all the way back to Heathrow. You're um, kidding me. Wow. The in the cockpit. Son. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not bad ending. What a great story. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> on an overbooked flight. Yeah. You... Anyway. Ah, that's so interesting. Wow. You're not here to talk about my LA story. Well, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a brief one, wasn't it? <laughs> it was very, Ten days. I, re- I returned some years later and then, you know, having won the first uh, design accolade award for my first boutique endeavor. I would say you made the right there. decision. <laughs> yeah, <It laughs> that was a good choice there. to get back on that plane. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully you had better experiences from then on out yeah, in, absolutely. in Los no, Angeles. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a city that takes a bit of uh, getting used to in the way that it's, it's quite unique in the way it works. Huh? It really does. I mean, you know, I was, I moved here in 1993 as I was illustrating before and um, mm. it's changed so much since then. I mean, when I started out, it was like you, the feeling was there was a handful of people here that you were competing against for some of these roles. And now it's like, it's changed so much. I wouldn't know how to tell a young person how to get into this industry now. I yeah. wouldn't even, I mean, back in, when I started, it was literally you have headshots and you go knocking on door to, you know, agents' doors and leaving your headshots at the doors in, with hopes that they, you know, represent, give you representation to send you out on auditions. And now it's just, I, I have no idea. I guess you start your own YouTube channel or, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, create, oh, yeah, get enough, yeah. get enough followers on something and then you'll yeah. get hired. I, I don't, I don't know how it, how it works. But, you know, over the course of, you know, 28 years, I just, like I said before, I, you know, started to get more, um, you know, uh, judicious about my choices and mm. the, the type of work I wanted to do. And, and that sort of blossomed into, you know, more opportunities and X-Men came along and it was like, you know, it was a windfall moment for me. It was just, I got so lucky to be a part of that and, yeah. you know, surrounded by some incredible people that I grew up, you know, uh, admiring and, and watching yeah, in yeah. film. And, <clears throat> and then, you know, other things came along like uh, opportunities to use my voice in, in Hairspray and Enchanted and, and do some singing and things like that. And it was, uh, yes. you know, we have to a, talk about that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, we just finished, um, you know, not to sit here and just yap about myself, but we just finished the sequel of Enchanted, mm. Uh, for Disney Plus, uh, literally two months ago, month, month and a half, two months ago, we shot it in, in Dublin, Ireland or outside of Dublin. Yeah. And it was 15 years uh, since the first film. So wow. it was a welcome, 
opportunity to revisit these great, you know, beloved characters. And, and we thought it was, you know, it was never going to happen. So it was yeah. exciting to step back into the Prince Edward uh, costume and, and uh, you know, and, and be silly and have fun with Amy Adams and Adina Menzel and all yeah. the, the, all the, all the um, good friends and family from that. So that was, it's been an interesting year. I mean, last year, as we know, it's been, you know, so many things got, you know, put on hold and, and stopped, stopped completely. And, and then when we started opening back up um, towards the beginning of this year or a few months into the year here in Los Angeles, you know, everything just went back online immediately. Mm -hmm. So it was the third season of Dead to Me on Netflix. Yeah. And we had to sort of squeeze really that all into, oh, thank you very much. I wish I could take credit for that. It's amazing, amazing women um, on that show and, and uh, lucky to be a part of it. Uh, Great, fun character, playing two characters, actually twin brothers. <laughs> so that was a challenge. That was something I'd never done before. Um, and then My going only right comment on this one, my only comment is, if you're, I mean, first of all, uh, as in many of these kind of, I have to be very careful now, I don't say the wrong thing, but in sort of uh, uh, roughly Mercedes-Benz associated productions, you'll then start to see a lot of Mercedes-Benz with literally almost every single car. Oh, and then in, 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 dead, in Dead to Me. Yes, yeah. they're everywhere. They're and everywhere. they're flawlessly clean under any circumstances, which I think if you're just about to sort of lose the plot and your life is all over the place, you've got kids to deal with, like all of the storyline to deal with, but then every morning your car is absolutely pristine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, I have to have a word with Stuttgart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an, it, that's an interesting observation for sure, but someone's just, making sure that thing is spotless for sure. Definitely. It's somewhere in the notes of the contract. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I just want to go back to the, Enchanted uh, quickly yeah. again, because that's obviously been um, critically really acclaimed and sort of highly praised. And then you just mentioned Idina Menzel as well. I mean, was there a duet recorded at one point? Is that actually true? Uh, boy, did I let the cat out of the bag too soon? Um, <laughs> well, there is there is some singing. Um, if I'm supposed to talk about this. No, okay. Uh, well, well, no, I don't. I keep it. speculating. That's fine. Oh, uh, no. You know, I mean, <laughs> she's oh, maybe. the lady who sang Frozen, Let It Go, right? Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> there were, there, there were, yes, she plays Elsa in Frozen. And um, yes. the irony is when we did the first film, um, you know, one of the most incredible voices of our time, Adina Menzel, had no musical number. <laughs> like she was in the movie and didn't sing one note. Um, we, we started to record a duet, uh, on the first film between myself and Adina. Um, but then halfway through the recording, they realized where this, where this musical number would fall is after the sort of climax of the movie and, you know, and, no uh, music. yeah, it, well, right. It was just like, the, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> like the movie, yeah. the movie's done. Uh, Amy, Amy Adams found her true love, you know, uh, her, her <laughs> true love and her prince and, you know, roll credits. And we, we don't have time for that as much as they wanted to hear us sing together. Mm. It wasn't, it was, uh, the running time was already too long. So they, we, they figured that well, let's just save it for maybe the sequel if it happens. Mm. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. that happens this time around. We'll see. If maybe <laughs> that happens, then absolutely, definitely my two daughters, will freak out. <laughs> oh. Well, if, Can you that, imagine? Uh, if it happens, then or if or if it doesn't happen, mm -hmm. either way, then we should get Adina on a on a phone call or a, a FaceTime or something with your daughters and see if well, she I can. I was thinking more of you. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, can't do it. Uh, I can act it. I can, I, I, 
I can get Adina to do it. She's my pawn, right? Adina's like, I can't. It's it's a winner. It's an absolute no. I'd be. Are you kidding? I'd love to do that. It's one of the. You know, people ask me to do that sometimes. Like, will you call and leave a little voice message or a little video for my my daughter? I I know you get asked this a lot. I'm like, absolutely, of course. It's the easiest thing for me to do, and it's the and it's the simplest way to just create joy for somebody. And and you know. 10, 15 seconds. It's just, I love doing it. And um, in fact, my daughter just turned 16 a, a month and a half ago. And Adina, yeah. Dina uh, was kind enough to sing her a little wow. happy oh, birthday wow. recording. And <laughs> it's pretty cool. So we do this for each other. Yeah, and so she owes me one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She owes me one. She's going to sing for your daughters, damn it. <laughs> Birthday's the 31st uh, of October, I remind you. <laughs> great. Oh, wait, when is it again? Halloween. First, 31st of October. Oh, 31st. Okay, mm-hmm. well, we'll... Uh, She's going to be 10 the seeds well. now. Double digit. Yeah. Ah, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> there and you she's, go. She's sung it many times to my uh, uh, much suffering at home and in the car. Oh, she did. The oh, years. the songs from from Frozen. Oh God, yeah. I mean, she was just the right age. I think she was f- probably three or something when Frozen came out first. And we've obviously been doing oh, wow. free single, sing along, hotel, <laughs> New Year's party, kids so dance you, thing. Oh, so you know every word of the songs along. as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm happy to admit it. In fact, it's in your head now, and it'll be in your head for the rest of the day, won't it? <laughs> and it, it, literally, literally, every single year when we're out skiing and out in the snow, it still comes out that they do the whole Olaf line and I'll be a happy snowman you know, every single time. So, long suffering. Uh, long that's suffering. great. Well, I hope that uh, you and your daughters will enjoy the sequel. That's uh, been a long time coming, but uh, we're really proud of it. And and Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken did the music again. And um, if you don't know them, they did they did the music on the original. But Alan yeah. Menken did all the songs for Little Mermaid and and um, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. And uh, Stephen Schwartz is of course responsible for mm-hmm. Wicked with Adina. And so the music's phenomenal. And Adam Shankman directed it. Who who directed Hairspray. So it's strange that yeah, I worked with him on Hairspray. Now he yeah. come around and do the, um, the sequel to Enchanted. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad it happened. Um, I think we need those types of movies nowadays. You know, yeah. uh, we need oh, a little, uh, yeah, some, some music and some uplifting, sort yeah. of joyful um, uh, material. So I was, I was really lucky to be a part of it and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully everyone will be enjoying it soon. We cannot wait, especially with or some with some other movies we'll, uh, we'll are getting... We'll delayed all the time, time and yeah. time and time again. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other film that I did this year, we sort of crammed it all into this year, was the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog with yes. Jim Carrey, and uh, which was the first, or sorry, the last movie really to be able to be released in theaters before the pandemic hit. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it was, uh, it was a big success, which, you know, we're really uh, happy it was and proud of it. Mm. And... Um, and it and it and it was like maybe there was one or two films that came out in the theaters after, but that was it. Yeah. Um, but it, it managed to get an, an, you know enough eyes on it um, to merit a sequel, and we just finished shooting that this year as well. Mm-hmm. So it was it was like okay, everything's back to normal. Let's you know, yeah, let's go shoot Dead to Me, Enchanted, and Sonic, and yeah, all, now all this other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a busy year. So I'm really grateful, yeah. and and I can't complain. No, definitely. And that's obviously something, one of the points I, I wanted to, to, to talk to you about is the fact that, of course, we had anyone, we're going to go into that in, in, in just a second, but during the pandemic, all of the, you know, the questions about future of cinema and big screen and, and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, the streaming services are popping up left, right and center, everybody upping their ante as it was. And, and then, of course, we, I noticed it here in Europe that from literally two weeks to the next two weeks, it was from, oh my God, cinemas are basically bankrupt, this is never going to mm-hmm. work, to 
oh, we can't uh, find enough ticket salespeople and people are queuing you know, six times around the block to get back into the theatre. And wow, right. it's just absolutely. So it seems to me like, uh, although sort of a year ago on, on many fronts, we said, okay, it's never going to be the same again. And it's going to mm-hmm. change forever. But then I'm not sure that really happened in, in the world of Hollywood. And I'd love to hear your view on all of this because of course, Paramount has come with their streaming service. Uh, Disney mm-hmm. Plus has been very successful in their first year. Um, Netflix, um, has obviously uh, built their position massively with Amazon and, and, and a few others. Um, Disney, I think they've, they've had some attempts at just releasing sort of streaming exclusively, but then people are taken back to the cinema. What's your experience with all of this and what's your view? Well, yeah, I mean, I, my view is it was, it was an evolution that was taking place anyway, albeit probably a little slower than and I think, uh, I think the, you know, the, the sort of migration to um, streaming, right? I, mean, there, I think, um, it was going, it was happening anyway, right? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm not saying that they were, you know, that uh, theaters were just going to be left in the dust, but um, it was going to be more, a, a more balanced thing where you could go to the theaters if you, if you so desired, but you also, you know, I, I think it's just, it was, it was becoming about accessibility. You can watch these films and enjoy them however you want, right? You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it at home. You can go to the theater and have that, that shared experience. Um, and the pandemic sort of just uh, accelerated that, I think. Um, you know, they, they um, as it did with everything in our world, right? It yeah. was like, you know, meetings were now on Zoom at home and and we relied on technology to, um, to you know, whatever, cons- consume whatever TV shows or, 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 um, or movies we wanted to watch. Uh, my, my view now, I mean, I, I, you know, again, I'm just actor for hire. So I, I don't really, I don't really know the ins and outs of, uh, of what's on the horizon for the, for the industry. But I, my feeling is, and what I hear people talking about is that it will, that there, there will be a balance, right? Like, I don't think theaters will go away. You know, I, my, my guess is these giant companies like Netflix and uh, Amazon and Disney will probably take ownership of some of these theaters. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if, if that's going to happen or not, but they will then release their movies day and date at home. You can, you can stream them or you can go to the theater and have that, that, that experience as well, maybe for a, you know, a limited run or something. I think they're all just trying to figure it out, you know? Um, but I think there was enough, like, I think uh, Quiet Place 2 came out and did really well. And, and um, a, a few other films came out this year and surprised the industry, really. Um, I forget the one that came out and actually made, I don't know, $60 million over a weekend um, in July when everyone felt safe enough to yes, go back yes, to the yes, theaters. Yes, yeah. And it was, it was like a, an absolute um, shock to, the, to everyone in the business that, you know, that there was a, still a strong desire to go back to normal. And all these things that... Um, that we were denied over the last year and a real pent up desire to get back to all these other things, uh, these shared experiences we had before the pandemic. And so I do think that, um, that, you know, the movie, you know, the, the theater going experience is not going to die. I think that's always going to, there's always going to be an audience for that. And, um, and I think the two can sort of coexist. Mm. And that's, that's my view is that that's, that's going to happen, right? We're going to, you're going to get it however you want it. And um, maybe there'll be less theaters. I don't know. But uh, as an actor, I don't, I don't do you have a preference? It. Like when you produce work you're really proud of, do you want, you know, it, does it depend on what genre it is? Or do you generally it, love for people it, to see it in theater? Or? Well, if it's something I'm in and I'm having to watch it, I want the smallest <laughs> screen available. <laughs> so so I like to watch really all my films on the Apple iWatch. <laughs> 
<laughs> from a distance. <laughs> from a distance. I'm not great at I'm not great at sitting in a, a giant theater watching my you know yeah, see, my I, head I, yeah, my close up on a 70, 70 foot screen. Yeah, yeah, um, but I you know I, I I really take the the approach of however anybody wants to watch it right. Uh, mm. But there are certain things that you feel like. Uh, you know, I'd love for people to see Enchanted 2, um, you know, on a, on a big screen. And who knows, that may still happen. Um, it is right now planned for Disney+, Plus, but, you know, I think it's yeah. just we're in such a fluid situation where everything's changing every day, right? So, um, you know, maybe that will happen. I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe they already have plans to have it in theaters as well. Um, but, you know, these sort of big, uh, these, these, these big movies where it's just like, they feel more epic, um, and sh- and there are certain films that I feel like belong on a big screen, and um, yeah. maybe, maybe Enchanted isn't the best example of that, but um, um, but like Sonic, even you know, yeah. th- there's some 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 amazing set pieces and and action sequences and stuff that I, I feel like are a bit muted when you watch mm. them at home. Yeah, definitely. Um, that said, I mean, everyone's got their own home theaters now, right? With seventy inch TVs and and surround sound and all that, so. If you want the um, kids back up, then <laughs> you go <right>. ahead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you're tired of parenting from home and the kids learning from home, I mean, I just have the the utmost uh, uh, empathy for for parents with you know small children to, over the last year. It's like you know, just want to pull your hair out. Uh, I mean, it's testing everybody, but um, and these kids too, having to you know not get their sort of social. Uh, uh, but we're, we're, look, it's it's you know. That's not to go into everything we've talked about over the last year. Mm. I know that's a, a tired conversation, but um, I'm hopeful that um, that we'll we'll learn to live with it. And and um, and I, I think there's a, a there's a landscape where we we have some of the things that we had before uh, back to normal. I do see people going back to theaters again, um, and back to you know like Broadway theaters as well, right? You know, live shows. Um, and I, and I, and I see streaming, you know, continuing to power forward and, and being a big, big force as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I'm always fascinated because, you know, LA is actually, you know, it's, it's probably one of the top places I have really missed travel to traveling to during the pandemic, because for me, that really has a unique creative energy. And, and again, whether you're into industrial design, automotive design, architecture, furniture, entertainment, music, whatever it is. I really struggle to think of a place in the world where there's a higher concentration of this sort of uh, creative energy. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering yourself, in, 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 in f- for you as an actor developing your career and developing your work, h- how much of an influence does this, this environment have in the end? And is it, is it, I mean, you hear more and more now, of course, uh, being shot in Europe and Ireland and, and London mm-hmm. and the rest of it or across the borders, but how, how much does it help to be in such a melting pot of, of creativity? Um, and do you feel that's had a major impact on how you develop professionally? Yeah, I think, you know, I, like you said, I feel like everyone has sort of, you know, redefined uh, where you need to be for this business, right? We can, we can be in our homes and, and, uh, like you said, there's a lot of runaway productions that go to Canada and Ireland and Australia. Um, but, there's something about being in I will preface this by saying I moved to Austin, Texas a year ago. And, um, it's something that I'd been, an idea I'd been flirting with for a long time is to get Mm. a little closer back to where I grew up. And I have some family and friends down there and, um, uh, bought a place, bought a place down there. And so it was the idea of wanting something outside of Los Angeles in addition to, 
uh, keeping my house here in LA as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little, I, I wish I could say bi-coastal, but not, <laughs> there's no real coast in Austin, Texas. Um, close, close. But it's something that, it's something I'd been wanting to do for a long time, get a little closer to where my mom is. And, and mm. um, um, that said, you know, over the last 30 years I, and, and over this last year, I, you know, continue to spend enormous amounts of time in Los Angeles. And there's something about, even though, you know, in the industry, you know, you hear people saying, yeah, you don't really have to be here anymore. You know, you can, you can kind of live wherever and go where the work is. Mm. Um, but there's something about, there's a, there's a, there's a vibe. There's a, there's something in the air. There's in, in Los Angeles here where you still feel like, uh, I, I just, I, I feel like when I'm in Texas or, you know, or Oklahoma or Boston or, you know, or, uh, Wyoming, wherever you, you feel like something's missing. I'm missing something. And it's not like FOMO, like I'm like miss, missing on going out on like events and, and, uh, uh, premieres and things like that. It's, it's just, there's an energy to this city and a creative energy to this city. And, and, um, and it fuels you, you know, it, it, it gets into your system and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a huge part of being here. It does make it more difficult to take your hat off at the end of the day and separate work from your, your home life. Right. Yeah. Cause it can, it can, it can sort of start to seep into your, you know, into your home life. And that part's one thing you need to be really disciplined about is, um, you know, when you come home, really shutting off your, your, your work phones and your emails and stuff and immersing yourself, uh, in your home life with your kids and all of that. Um, which I find easier to do when I'm in, when I'm in Austin, uh, to, to sort of shut off from the, from the business parts of everything. Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's inspiring. It was inspiring when I first arrived in 1993, seeing, seeing the Hollywood sign and driving Mulholland drive and, and going to Beverly Hills for meetings with directors and, you know, uh, going to the DGA for screenings and, and, it, you know, it's, it's, you're around people who are, um, as equally inspired, um, and you know, the like minds, these creative minds and, and, it, uh, you're, you know, sort of this part of this sort of amazing soup that's, you know, yeah. and where, where great creative ideas, um, are born. And so it's a huge part of, uh, um, of uh, a source of inspiration for me at being actually in Los Angeles. And I'm here enough, I'm back and forth enough to, to, to get sort of recharged by that. Mm. And then the, the, the balance in Austin is, is obviously a, a very nice thing to have as well. Being closer to family, that's definitely one thing we notice as well. It's just, just also really been a thing, I think, the last year yeah. has brought out that everybody sort of realized, okay, who are the people that are actually grounding me? Where, where do I feel at home? And, right. You know, it's also, yeah. also very nice to buy a nice place next to that annoying guy from high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, remember me? Yeah, remember me? <laughs> that guy you took the big car back in 1986. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my drive. Yeah. <laughs> remember all that stuff you wrote on the windshield of my Honda? <laughs> yeah. 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 Here I am. Um, yeah, no, it's true. And then for my children too, you know, you do, there is, you know, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with Los Angeles, you know, mm. I, I've been here for a long, a long time and there's so many wonderful things about the city and it's really unique, you know, but I could, I could lose the traffic and I could lose being, feeling like you're sort of on top of each other and, and uh, yeah. there's so much concrete and, you know, I, I want, I wanted the opportunity for my children to be able to get away and, and be immersed in nature and, and, you know, go out on the lake and learn how to water ski. And, and so that was another sort of, you know, motivating thing for me to, to have a place there. But, you know, I, again, we're all, uh, in, in this, you know, in this sort of, 
uh, you know, <laughs> nomadic state at the moment, uh, where we're f- feeling like that right now everything feels a little bit experimental, and you know, everyone's yeah, sort of is, re, you know, sort of yeah. The office recal- is dead. Recal- everybody themselves. back in the office. The office is dead. <laughs> right. No, it's all about exactly. everybody can go exactly. back and start. No, they can't. Like, right. Yeah, right. It's, 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 so you just kind of roll with it and go. Hey, look, nothing's irreversible. These yeah. these decisions you're making, and and um, you know, if it works out that we need to be back in Los Angeles, then you know, we will. Absolutely. But um, anyway, but yeah, LA is just, you know, you talked about architecture. That's something I love as well. And and you, you know, we don't always take the best care of our architecture here. A lot of amazing buildings have been torn down and replaced with condos. But, mm. um, but you know, uh, you know, Richard Neutra and some of these, yes. um, Lautner, some of these amazing architects uh, for homes, um, you, you find them sort of peppered throughout the Hollywood Hills. And it's just nice to see. Yeah. Um but uh, you know, it's it's an inspiring city to drive around if you're not stuck in traffic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always been the reason for me to to do my early morning runs whenever I go traveling, because especially when you're trying to design spaces that kind of need to work in an environment, you need to kind of mm-hmm. feel the the spirit of the place. And for me, right. that always happens when you start going around residential areas and you look at okay, how do people live? Furniture styling, you know, how do they do their gardens? Well, they're obviously aspiring to from how they express their own identity, what cars are they driving and what cafes mm-hmm. do they go to? What super, what's the supermarkets like? You know, all the sort of the stuff that gives you a feel for how people actually live on a day-to-day basis. And I think mm-hmm. that's just absolutely key. You know, I could, I, I always struggled really to design remotely. And this was one of the things um, during the pandemic, we did um, two flagship store designs mm-hmm. actually here as a team from really far away and it's places I've been to a million times like Dubai, you know, and then you still, you make so many mistakes until you go back there. And I remember the first trip back out and you stand in the space and you just think this is all wrong, you know, and then you start yeah. again and you look at people and you see what's changed and, and some stuff has changed uh, amazingly quickly. And I noticed that going back to London now, how much London has changed the retail mix, you know, what's going out, what's coming in. Mm-hmm. It's a completely changed place compared to yeah. a year and a half ago. And that's, that's, you've, you've got to be there and take it in and feel it to, to, to connect back with right. what you're actually doing. Right. And I think that's key, right? There's certain things we can do over zoom and, and from home digitally. Mm. And there's certain sort of ta- like tactile, tangible things that you have to actually physically be there to, to, uh, to take in that energy. And, and, um, and, and especially if you're an artist, you know, if you're a creative person, like you, you, mm. you want to be surrounded by that. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, not to go back to the theater thing, but that's one of the things that I think is going to be a lifeline for theaters is people are going to miss that, you know, shared experience of like, you know, you're in a room full of strangers watching the same content and you're laughing at the same jokes. You don't, you've never seen them before in your life. It's just something about that energy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and in Los Angeles, it does have, um, it, it has that energy about it, which can inspire you drive down Sunset Boulevard and you see these massive buildings with, you know, posters for new movies coming out or shows. And you're like, oh yeah, I love that actor. I, you know, I, I'm glad he's, I want to see that. And I, I don't know, it's just, you just, it's, it's good to be around physically to be in that space. Like you said. A buzz. Well, we touched yeah. on Boston very briefly earlier. And of, of course we were, you know, very, very honored and delighted that you agreed to uh, playing our founder, Florentine Ariosto Jones, in that retelling of IWC's uh, founding story in, in a sort of personal format. Or, you know, I, I tried to, we tried to get away from the idea of a pure advertising film of a glorified history and actually showing the personal journey of F.A. Jones. And again, I, I knew from the beginning when we first had the discussion, I knew you were the absolute spot on right uh, actor to play Jones. In fact, I couldn't imagine anybody else for, for that. Oh, that's very kind and, of you to say. And you, you did it, I mean, absolute 
justice, so he knew, just blew me away, and still to the present day, I can show this movie anywhere I want, in any meeting, with any partners, it's goosebumps. There's absolute silence during the two and a half minutes, and that's a long time for, you know, what is a promotional video at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. To get people's attention for this amount of time, and for actually to be, everybody be absolutely silent and actually take it in, and you can see it, there, there are moments, um, I think when you're on screen, when you say to your on-screen wife, you know, you know, did I dream too? Well, did I dream too far? Something like that. And dream, goes, did I dream too big? Did yeah. I dream too big? And yeah. she goes, Never. And and still, I get goosebumps every single time. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, that's a very different thing because it's kind of a corporate production. We try to make it a bit sort of more drama-looking. But but how how's that for you? And a very different type of character to play. Eh? Well, first of all, like you said, it didn't feel like anything that was a corporate, you know, um, advertisement or anything. It was mm-hmm. an exquisitely made just stunningly beautiful um, piece of art. And it was, I was, I was, first of all, just absolutely um, taken aback and honored to, to be um, invited to be a part of this and to play your founder. That's just, you know, you know how much of a fan I am of, of, uh, of IWC and its history. And and I, I, I respect it so much and and to be able to, you know, step into his shoes and, and uh, portray him in in such a beautifully made um, short film, essentially, um, you know, was a, a, a real, a real joy for me. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that, that piece of work and, and, uh, honored to have been asked to, to play him. Um, and it, yeah, like, it, like you said, it, it didn't feel, <laughs> you know, it felt like we were making a film in which we were, it was, um, I mean, the, 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 you know, the sort of cinematic element to it, um, uh, and going back in time to the late 1800s and, and, um, um, it was just beautifully, beautifully shot. Um, so I, I'm very happy with how it turned out and feel very lucky to, to have played him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're beyond thrilled with it and it's going to last for, for many, many years. And I think it's one of the, the cornerstones for us really to explain to, to new clients um, mm. what the unique founding story of IWC is. You know, here we have a 27-year-old who came over from Boston, who mm-hmm. took a total risk uh, and bet on a place he didn't know, he didn't speak the language of, coming over and trying to, you know, I know at the best of times, even today, how difficult it is to 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 come to a rural Switzerland or anywhere rural Europe and sort of mm-hmm. make your mark as a as a complete outsider. You know, it's, it's it's not easy at the best of times, but in those days, you know, with the language and cultural barriers that must have existed to set up uh, a real piece of um, American industrial architecture here and and introduce an American system of watchmaking to what was essentially before a system of farmers assembling clocks and watches in homework, you know, which mm-hmm. was by the fireside in long winter evenings. And I think there's this, this pub scene, the bar scene, I think that captured that really nicely where that uh, gentleman um, is looking at you and go, here's the American who wants to explain to the Swiss how to make watches. And you know, mm-hmm. everybody sort of roars with laughter. And, and, and it must have been like that. And for, right. for Jones to actually turn this around and actually make 10,000 watch movements in a, in a platform system in year one and export them to Brooklyn or in case and sold in America. I mean, th- this guy, you know, that was a bold move. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Well, so we, we talked earlier in the podcast about just having the sort of you know, blind courage and determination yeah. to, to achieve something, to, to um, identify a need and, and, and dream bigger than you, th- than you think is even achievable at the time. It's just, yeah. that's something I wanted to capture with the character portrayal, which is his, his determination. And he was such a visionary. And um, like you said, he brought these 
American production methods to uh, met with Swiss watchmaking skills. And, you know, and it was not, it was a massive mountain to climb, right? I mean, just Mm. against all odds. And I thought that I wanted that to be at the sort of, you know, the core of his drive um, was just this sheer, you know, unabashed and unrelenting determination and, um, and tenacity and, and, and that, that entrepreneurial spirit that, um, that uh, was his engine, you know? And, um, and that's what inspired me about playing the role. I, I, I did as much research as, uh, as, much research as I could have um, on Jones and, and wanted to do it justice, the portrayal. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we talked earlier about me moving to Los Angeles and like, mm. this is, you know, how do you, how do you do this? You know? Um, and, and I was, I was 19 and he was 27, but it was, I was just young enough to, to be, it, it, it took a certain um, degree of boldness and courage to, to go head on into something and basically will it to happen. And I see the same thing with, with F.A. Jones's story, which is I'm, I'm not going to, this will not be a failure. I will succeed at this. I will overcome this adversity and whatever challenges are thrown at me because I believe in this idea. Uh, and how do I get this idea that's in my head uh, manifested into a, a you know into a reality? And and he achieved that. Yeah. And it just that's you know that's just the inspiration behind any success story, and 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 it's epitomized in in his story in this film. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting that when we had the discussions about the early versions of the of the film. And, and often I was asked, okay, in, in the end, there's a scene where Jones you know, gets up and walks out and everybody stands up and sort of looks at him. And then it says, okay, he returns to America. He never you know, worked in watchmaking again. And people then said, yeah, but I mean, you, know, you, can't, you can't show that. I mean, it's a total utter failure. And I was like, well, <laughs> here we are, 100 here we are. years later, international watch company in right. the same building he built back in 18. 18- 76, I think he built this building. I'm essentially still sitting in his office. Right. We have the exact right. continuity of that same brand name and being a global watch brand today. So right. how can you call that a failure? <laughs> well, <laughs> so, right. Which says just as much about what he created, uh, uh, exactly. which, which says just as much about who he was as a human being as well. Mm. Like that scene specifically just gave me chills just thinking about it. Yeah. He stands up and and he might be, he might think as a, of himself as in that moment, I failed at something. Uh, but he turns around and there he sees everyone that has been just following him and inspired by him mm. um, and the lasting impact of that, right? As he walks out the door, yeah. um, that that wasn't the end of something. That actually was the, you know, the beginning of something there. Um, and like you said, it turned into here we are today talking about IWC. Yeah. Um, and all, multiple, all because of him. Yeah. Multiple owners over the year, two world wars, right. the quartz yeah. crisis, you know, the reinvention of mechanical watches. I mean, all these setbacks yeah. on the way. And I think... In many ways, I you know I I like to 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 tell that story with with all of its its edges and and, and bumps because I find it so much more interesting than this idealized story of success. You know, there oh, we of are. Course. Came with a grand plan and you know implemented yeah. ever since. And you know, right. it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, every every story is more interesting when it's just truthfully told, and and that's that's life, right? That's the sort of human element of the whole thing, which is you know you, you're not living life unless you experience uh, a setback or or make a mistake or you know that's how you. That's how you grow. That's how you learn, and and how you ultimately get tested to um, to push harder. And so I, I I love that you 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 don't you know tell tell the story in this sort of idealized way and, and glossy way, right? It's like it's there's 
there, there were setbacks, there were challenges, there were investors that did not believe in his vision. And, and, um, and I'm sure, and there were moments where he even is, you know, in the privacy of, of his own home with his wife, second guessing himself, right. In that, in that beautiful scene, you just, you just detailed. Yeah. Um, and I think that just makes it so much more relatable to a human being, right. It's like, Oh, I, I, I've, I've been in those moments before where I've questioned, you know, my ability or my talent or, or my vision. Monday morning, 6 a.m. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's why it's why you succeed my friend what is it it's some quote like the greater the artist the greater the doubt yeah i'm not counting my year off yet (laughs) (laughs) of course the the, you know the the film was shot i mean a little film was shot in sort of a trailer like uh, format and of course many people have asked me since when the whole series has actually gone and launched that's a valid point so i think we've got something to get back there post pandemic and and sort of yeah. finish it off you know yeah the, let's turn it into a series streaming yeah, disney plus let's yeah, do it spin-off. <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. Well, and in theaters and in so, theaters to our listeners what, what should they look out for in in in, in over the next couple of months where, where to look out for james oh good question uh i'm in Off la the at the moment where <laughs> <laughs> i think i've discussed a few of them but um you know uh we're we're hoping to finish the the third season of dead to me on netflix yeah. uh, i don't know when that's coming out um but uh you know everything is so uh up in the air and, and we're ready to release something and then up oh, it's put on hold i think they just put mission impossible on hold with tom cruise or, mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe i got that wrong maybe it's oh, the bond um, the bond film <laughs> yeah right yes you're familiar with that aren't you <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, I don't have specific dates, but, um, I'm thinking early next year, we're going to see, uh, hopefully we're going to see the sequel to Sonic, which will be coming back out and, um, uh, be a lot of fun and, uh, hopefully get people back into theaters as well. And the third season of dead to me, uh, third and final season, um, and, and then uh, you're, you're literally <laughs> dead to us in the end. <laughs> and then I'm dead to everybody on dead to me. Yes. That's it. Final. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and in much to your, your, your daughter's, uh, hopefully joy and, mm. and happiness would be enchanted too, will be next year as well. So oh, yeah. those are the ones coming out sooner. The, 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 the films that were released this year, I, I lent my voice to Boss Baby 2, which is the sequel to <laughs> the, the original Boss Baby with Alec Baldwin. So it was me and Alec yeah. Baldwin having fun over the last two years doing voice work, which that was an interesting thing too, because we, you know, we were doing our vocal work in, in the studios at DreamWorks. And when the pandemic hit, we had to do our best to, to, yeah, but that's, you know, if it's just vocal work, you know, you, you know, you're, you're having to, I I created this little, you know, makeshift home recording studio booth, which I'm not in right now, if you hear any echo, but because it was constructed of three mattresses (laughs) and a a duvet, and a duvet cover covering the top of it. Dad, I want to go to bed. Not now. I'm in the middle of the crucial scene. Exactly. And leaf blowers going on in my house, you know, next door, gardeners. Don't get me started Uh, on leaf blowers. Regular listeners will know this is my sore topic. This is my Achilles heel. Show me a leaf blower and I will lose the blood. Well, that's that is one of the instruments that you'll hear in the orchestra of Los Angeles nonstop, right? If you if you're talking about leaf blowers, you you must have been doing zooms with people oh, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Cuz it's oh, it's no, it's I everywhere it here, here. Outside my office, I don't need to oh, go you're anywhere. Kidding, really? I, yeah. It, it, uh, rain, sunshine, any weather condition, even if it's gale force winds out there, there will be people blowing leaves from one end of the path to the other for no apparent purpose whatsoever, <laughs> apart right. from revving this thing. And can't they even oh. just let it run? No, it's got to go. Oh. Mm, yes. Mm. Oh, and thank you yeah. for saying that. 
I have so a conversation I want to have with my, yes, with my, <laughs> with, with my neighbor that I just want to walk across the street and say, just hold it down for one consistent, <laughs> no, like, like exactly. and then it's just white noise. Yeah. But you we have to release actually, guidelines, guidelines <laughs> yeah. on leaf blower utilization. <laughs> definitely. Listen, James Marsden's neighbor, no more revving of the leaf blower. Okay. <laughs> get Don't the rev job it. Done. Don't rev it. Just get the job done. Just hold it. Are you trying to save power? What are you doing? You're, you know, like just also, you're just blowing a leaf around. Exactly. Yeah. We're sitting here talking about innovation. Can, can, uh, when I think of innovation, I think of IWC. Can IWC come up with some sort of silent leaf blower, please? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think one, probably <laughs> Mr. Dyson or, or Elon Musk or somebody would probably yeah, do that in electric. Do yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> need it. we need it. silent leaf destructor. Or well, we sound- could just pick them up like in the olden days, you know? <laughs> oh, please. Let's, can we go back to some of that, right? Yeah, a rake. Rake the leaves. <laughs> yes. It's going to be more therapeutic for you than revving this, uh, this annoying engine. I know. And um, it's especially bad here because we have, you know, we literally have to be careful now. But we've got a monastery next door, which is an ancient building that is sort of three, four floors high. And they're oh my God. So you have complete, road. like, you have complete silence oh no, <laughs> right? no, in a we monastery. Have echo. We have complete oh, echo. Oh, you have echo. Our, okay. building, our building is sort of a sheer wall, you know, four floors high. And then next door is the same. And in the middle, you've got a cobbled street. So this is great oh. if you have a very nice sounding engine. Not mm-hmm. so great if you have to listen to, um, you know, anything going on on the street, excluding, including yeah. sort of window cleaners on these lifting platforms, anything like that. because it Trucks backing up. Echo, yeah. yeah. Or then people pulling a pallet trolley over cobbles, which is also an absolute classic. <sighs> While you're right. on that Zoom call, and he just goes, Oh, anyway, we digress. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> on that bombshell. Now, listen, uh, James, it's been an absolute pleasure. We can't wait to see you in all of the things that are coming up. Uh, thank you for oh, being such you. a fantastic friend and supporter of IWC over years. I can't wait to have you uh, back, hopefully um, in, enjoying all of the things we've changed in watchmaking actually in Schaffhausen since you, you yeah. came last year. You'd, you'd be absolutely delighted to see uh, what's been going on in the meantime. And, and I can't, oh, I wait, can't wait. I can't wait. It's up. one of the things I miss the most is seeing everybody, um, seeing all the IWC family and, you know, flying out to see you all at Watches of Wonders and, and um, actually you know, sharing time together. I just really miss it. And I hope, uh, hope we get to see each other in person soon. We will. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for joining us today. That was super, super interesting. And thanks to all our listeners. Um, we'll be back with another episode next week. This was James Marsden. Go check out his work and, uh, tune in next time. You can uh, listen to all of the episodes, of course, on the app. You get all of the ads there and speak to the next episode. Thanks for now. 